Welcome to another episode of Occupied. This episode, we have the lovely Taylor Blaine coming in to have a chat. You may know her better as Becoming OT, one of the largest OT influencers on Instagram. Uh, I wanted to have a chat about her journey, how that whole Becoming OT uh, online presence began, etc. I absolutely love this conversation. Taylor was just amazing so strap in grab a drink relax and enjoy this conversation with the amazing taylor blaine g'day my name's brock cook and welcome to occupied in this podcast we're aiming to put the occupation in occupational therapy we explore the people topics theories and underpinnings that make this profession so incredible If you're new here, you can find all of our previous episodes and resources at OccupiedPodcast.com. But for now, let's roll the episode. So I actually originally went to school to be a hurricane hunter and fly planes into hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. It might be called something different. Is that like Um, Twister? Like the movie? Yes, but for hurricanes. So basically they take these C-130s, it's a type of plane, and they fly it into the hurricane in order to get data. And I wanted to do that since third grade. Um, Every, like, parent's dream. (laughs) I'm from Florida, like, we have hurricanes, and And I really like, I just like hurricanes. Can't get enough of them? Yeah. And then I moved away from Florida, I'm like, give me more. So that's pretty much what I wanted to do from, like, early on, and I went to undergrad to become a meteorologist in order to do that but my first semester I failed um pretty miserably uh one of the math classes that I need because they don't tell you that you need a bunch of math classes to be a meteorologist you need the same amount of math as an engineer um and I'm not good at math and so the Lord was like you should change your plans and I didn't I took the math class again and then I failed again and kind of had this midlife crisis of okay what am I going to do with my life I've wanted to do this since I was in third grade And I just sat down with my mom and she was like, if you could do anything in the world, forget about money, forget about people's expectations of you. Like, what, what do you want to do? And I really just wanted to help people, which I know sounds like super cheesy, but I, I just wanted to help people. And um, at the time uh, I was heavily involved with our veteran community. And so I just Googled jobs that help people (laughs) uh, that help veterans. And like, obviously a doctor pops up, a psychologist pops up and, you know, physical therapy popped up and then OT popped up. And I literally had never heard of OT my entire life up until that Google search. And I really liked that it approached it from more of like the psychosocial side. And it was really taking into account people's emotional experience um, in addition to whatever trauma, specifically for what I was looking at, trauma, physical experience. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And so I changed my major to psychology. Um, I very scrappishly um, started getting observation hours for OT school because I made this change right before I was about to graduate undergrad and I didn't want to wait uh, like, or like take a gap year or anything. Um, yeah, moved home, started working at a hospital as a rehab tech um, where I got to work with OTs, PTs, and speech therapists. And which was super awesome because that job, all of those hours counted towards my observation hours for OT school, even though I was being paid. So I had like win-win. hundreds of <laughs> observation hours it made me look like a really good candidate. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how I found it. it was just 
failing honest conversation with my mom and a Google search, <laughs> which I think is very non-traditional for people. I feel like in my experience, when I talk to people about OT, they've either experienced it firsthand or they like know somebody who needed OT, whether it's like a family member or... A lot of them. A lot of the people I've spoken to do have um, the similar thing of, you know, oh, I wanted to do this, but then something happened and that didn't work out. So I found OT along that path. But a hurricane hunter is definitely the most unique shift that I've ever heard of. I've not heard of... That's probably the biggest swing, I think. From, from literally opposite opposite ends of the spectrum it, like i'll tell my patients that when they're like like how'd you find ot and that's that's my opening line i'm from florida um yes yeah, thought, and you know I, the, I the whole like ironic part <laughs> huh thought i had a big change that's oh you, gosh you win. <laughs> well the ironic part is i hate turbulence like when i fly in a plane now <laughs> i i know i know <laughs> That's like the whole point of the job is you're going looking for turbulence. Oh, I just, at one time, maybe I did like it and I don't like it now. And so I just call it full throttle divine intervention because I, uh, I literally am such a nervous flyer. I am like saying my affirmations, my prayers as the plane's taking off and, you know, panicking. And, and then I'm okay. A C-130 is <laughs> rough as guts anyway, with, yeah. without a hurricane. Oh, Rest assured, I, I'm aware, and I just, I guess I was too excited to be inside of a hurricane that none of that crossed my mind, so. I didn't even know that was a job, so there you go, oh, I've learned something new. So cool. Oh my gosh, So obviously so you still cool. have a, a, a hobbyist passion for weather. Yeah, yeah, well, so I was actually, so when I was getting my meteorology degree, I was the weather girl on our um, our college stations, like... <laughs> weather i don't know what i'm saying the news essentially and so it's cringy though it is hecka cringy i go back and i watch some of those videos you have to release (laughs) yeah yeah maybe for all those people that aren't sure what ot is and want to (laughs) change into it like this is how far you can swing like before and after (laughs) yeah yeah why not that's awesome Uh, i think that's great yeah, well, thanks, thanks. So. so you left that dream behind and followed another dream and yes. graduated from OT, and where did you go from there? Where was your – or did you find your, I guess, your OT niche while you were at school, or mm. did it, is it something that you're still looking for, or you've what's, – what's, how did you go after you finished? I feel like it's kind of – Oh, uh, not always changed. So I went in after I Googled like working with military personnel um, and I wanted to go in to work with people that had experienced limb loss or burns after their service. Um, And then I had, uh, while I was working as a rehab tech, we had a couple of people come through that had severe burns and I I just didn't feel as passionate about it once I was hands-on application with it. Um, I really loved the neuro side of things. And so I... Neuro has always been like my number one love. And then working with the veteran population was my other love, um, especially more so f- and mental health between the two of them. You have too many loves. And, 
I know I do. I literally, I always tell people I love everything about OT and they're like, there's no way. And I'm like, no, you don't understand because I think they're all very much related. Um, especially those three, but mental health with everything. I always tell people it's just because you're not working in a psych setting doesn't mean you're not addressing the mental health of your clients or their families. Like we're all very much equipped to do that Mm. as OTs just through our, our learning and our education. And that's kind of been like, One of my soapboxes is to really drive that home for people to understand that you are equipped. Yes, it can be awkward, but I know for myself working in neuro, all of my people are there because they experience some type of trauma. So by default, and that's, you know, not if they didn't already have things that they were working through prior to that happening. So I think it's very, very important. That's like a totally separate (laughs) rabbit hole that we could go down. Um, but yeah, I basically, um, I loved neuro. I was working in a neuro center as a tech. And so I, I wanted to somehow, I, I, I wanted to use my clinicals and my field work to be able to learn from the top facilities, um, and places that did neuro recovery so that I could then better help my patients in the long run. Um, and so my kind of pursuit was I, I Googled, like Google has really helped me in my OT career. It sounds like I it. Googled like the top neuro facilities in the United States. And then, um, none of them were near me. And so I, I went out of state actually for uh, most of my clinicals, um, because to me, I don't know that that's just what I wanted to do. <laughs> if the opportunity presented itself, um, and I'm, I'm a person where like, if I'm truly passionate about something, like I will go at it full throttle. Um, and if it's meant to be, it'll happen. If it's not meant to be, it won't happen. Um, but yeah, so I did neuro clinics, clinicals, and then, um, I did my, I don't know how it works in Australia. So do you guys have the OTD in the masters? How, how do you, or bachelors, you guys have bachelors though, don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. It's coming back to me now. I was talking to somebody about it and I was like, well, that's nice. I would love to have gotten my bachelor's in OT. Yep. It's uh, probably, well, that would be the most common um, form of entry into the profession would be through a bachelor's degree, but there are some master's entry, um, but I don't think there's any OTDs in, in Australia. Okay. Well, so for my OTD, I wanted to do um, neuro and work with veterans. And I remember um, uh, my, whatchamacallit, my coordinator for our doctoral program, she was like, well, I can't guarantee you uh, both. <laughs> You'd yep. have to really choose, like, do you ra- would you rather work in neuro or would you rather work in um, with veterans? And I, that's when I really realized that how much I loved neuro and how much that was more important to me because I'd rather have neuro working with like older people, younger people, you know, middle-aged versus having veterans and then being like an ortho clinic or something like that. Cause I don't, sorry to all the ortho people, but I, I, I don't, not my passion. Hand therapy is not my thing, even though I work with ortho conditions all the time, but anywho. Um, and then I went and did my, my capstone for my doctorate. I actually did it um, in, a, in a psych facility because I, I wanted that experience and program development and specialized clinical practice and mental health. And so I try to just combine neuro and mental health whenever I can. So you're working in neuro now? And, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, right now I work um, in inpatient pediatric rehab. Uh, primarily, I'm like one of the primary therapists for our facility. And then if our census is low, then I go to the adult side where they have 
it's all neuro too. So kind of a generalist in some capacity, you know, which I like, I, I like to be able to say that I can treat pretty much anybody. There's some people I can't treat because um, I'm not equipped enough in my skills, but. Back yourself. Time. I'm sure you've got it. No, no. I'm like thinking like ventilators, like I don't have enough ventilator training. <laughs> and so I need, I, I've asked for more of that because that's, I'm not going to try with a ventilator. I'm going to wait until I'm equipped. Yeah. Uh, in Australia, that wouldn't be anything to do with OT. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's nursing. Well, we would still have to like treat them and make and sometimes like where, actually where I work um they help with ventilator weaning too um but it, it is primarily on nursing but we still treat people for therapy um if they're on a ventilator oh yeah, yeah. you'd still treat them but you wouldn't be like administering the, or, yeah, oh gosh no 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 but still even treating it makes me nervous so <laughs> fair enough just because I don't have the skill set yet and you know it's one of my growing areas <laughs> fair enough uh so you were saying that you were you, you combine like your mental health with your neuro. How is there any special ways that you've learnt to do that, or how does that work? Um, really, just talking to people, which I know sounds super lame and basic, but lame and basic is my jam. Yeah. Okay. Well, same. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I really. I think what can happen when people are recovering or in an inpatient facility, we focus so much on the physiological. Um, but oftentimes when people say, oh, they're they're being stubborn or non-compliant or whatever, it's because the emotional side hasn't been addressed at all. And I make it a point to just incorporate both in my session. Like, I'll tell them, like, this really sucks, huh? Like, yeah. Like, do you want to talk about it? And then I leave it open to them. Do they want to talk about it? Do they not want to? And more oftentimes than not, they want to, especially with kids. I've found that a lot of times kids don't want to share everything with their parents because they want to be strong for them Yeah. Um, and to almost shield their parents in some way. Um, which so is, that's which is kind of ironic. Right. Yeah. I, after watching it for a while, it, it's, it, it, I guess it just show you how much strength kids have also yeah. um, that they're thinking not just of themselves. And I'm talking like, even as young as like seven years old, um, you know, they, they just put up that protective barrier for their family. And so I've had, had people cry in my sessions <laughs> like, and not because I make them cry, but just, I think you have to like release it. I know mm -hmm. for myself, if I keep my emotions bottled up inside of me it, it's it's a lot it's stressful I can't focus um but then it also opens the door to help them develop coping skills if they don't have coping skills or like what works for you what doesn't like identifying your triggers identifying your warning signs before it happens which are things that we do in psycho t hmm. all the time but to me it just makes sense to do that for somebody in neuro or in ortho this in the same exact way because you know to my original point they've gone through a traumatic experience um, and I think what's interesting, um, so we have a child life specialist that, um, works with us and, um, they do a good job at addressing the psychosocial components throughout a hospital stay. And something that really stuck with me, we were having a conversation with one of our uh, pediatric clients and we were talking about how 
essentially when we're going through this recovery, we've experienced a loss. Yep. Um, and we need to allow ourselves to grieve. And we, we sometimes don't realize that's what it is, is that you need to grieve. It's not just, not just that you're frustrated or mad, but like you, you have suffered a loss and, um, Spasm. <laughs> you like someone there massaging it. Uh, it just comes, it comes in waves. Okay. Um, where was I? Oh, just grief and a loss. And I think a lot of times that example really hits home for people. And cause we're allowed to grieve hmm. and then we move forward. Um, my, my little like tagline, I always tell people is you're not defined by your circumstances mm-hmm. in any capacity. They mold you, they change you, they help you grow. Um, but you know, this one experience is not going to determine whether or not you can do something in the future. Um, and so in some ways, I think it's almost our, um, our job just ethically to have these mental health conversations with people, uh, just to advocate, to help them self-advocate, um, yep. whether they're PD or on the adult side. I've, I've always found it interesting. I don't know whether it's something that just gets taught differently or better in the States or whether it's just the people that I seem to connect with. Um, like I've got a good friend of mine, Eric Johnson over there in the States who I think it was on the podcast. He said like, there's no health without mental health. And it seems to be a very common thing that a lot of the American OTs that I talk to just accept. Whereas I don't like, I feel like the Australian OTs, Australian trained OTs get that, but they're still, it's still taught in segregation. So like, Mm -hmm. I've always been against me being a mental health OT. I'm like, no, I'm just an OT who works in mental health. But Mm. it's still, even today, like that's what people would call me. I would be a mental health OT because I work in mental health. So that's that's my thing and that's all I do. And I'm like, well, Uh. that's not really how it should be. And I feel like even when it's being taught, it's being taught in silos, like being taught sort of modular like you know here's your neuro skills and here's mm. your psych skills and here's your uh, ortho skills like they're they've not taught as well as i think they should be and i do wonder whether or not it's being taught any differently in the states just based on those interactions i've had with a few people where like you said oh, before it, you just seem to understand the fact that you know in neuro the mental health aspect is a big component of it or in any, any physical um, clinical area that OTs might work in, there's still a mental health aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I will say, I agree. I think our programs even here do our modular, as you said, like here we have like this section for this type of skill and this section for this type of skill. I, I don't know if it's because I come from more of a mental health background that I kind of see mental health everywhere. Um, like when I was an undergrad, when I switched my major <laughs> from meteorology to psych, I um, worked uh, um, in uh, suicide prevention and I specifically was looking at research. And um, I don't, I don't know if that experience really just helped me realize it, that everybody has it. I don't know if my own personal experiences <laughs> is like, I know I'm not the only one feeling this way. Um, 
And so to me, it just made sense that people who are going through much more intense, severe life-altering outcomes um, would have similar needs, you know, in Mm. some capacity. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think everybody sees it the same way here because I just in my own experience, I feel like I've educated coworkers a lot on it. Yeah. Um, even vice versa, even seeing neuro in mental health mm. and the overlap um, like that, that has been a really cool thing to just provide education on. Uh, Cause I think we do tend to put ourselves in little boxes mm. and. Cause even to, like to the effect, like, uh, like traumatic brain injury wards here come under the mental health banner like that ah, yeah that's cool well i've never worked on one but I'll, it makes me wonder whether like you said it's going the other way where like the physical mm-hmm. stuff isn't always being looked after but it's more the sort of behavioral and psychological aspect of it that's mm-hmm. being looked at yeah um or yeah i don't know what the process is i'm sure it's different for different wards around the country too but yeah i just yeah, know that true. i just know that in the state that i'm in um like the TBI wards uh, will come under the mental health service. <laughs> They're part of the mental health service. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, I can see why, but then it also, now I'm wondering, like the, like you said, the physical stuff yeah. that's not being addressed. Or maybe it is being addressed in some capacity. I'm sure it would be looked at, at in some capacity, but like even where I am, the, the ward is based on a um, like a mental health campus. Like it's huh. it's not in the hospital, and maybe that's uh, I'm assuming like it wouldn't be for like you know acutely yeah, injured people kind of thing, but right. it's more of a rehab ward. But still, like I I should actually find out. I, I wonder whether or not the OTs like I know that when I used to work in that sort of area a few years ago, like the OTs that were working on that ward highly experienced in areas of mental health because I know where they used to work, but I don't know yeah. what sort of training they've got from a neuro perspective. Right. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if you find out mm. what, how it all ties together for them. So it sounds like you don't tend to do anything by halves. You've, halves? You know, yeah. So you, <laughs> you're going to be a meteorologist, but you're going to fly into a hurricane and then, oh, I'm going to change to psychology, but I'm going straight to suicide prevention. Like everything straight into the deep end by the sounds of it. I, well, I do tell people that I do tend to like more swing for the fences. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I think bolder decisions, but also when it comes to actually treating people, I I do like working with more like medically fragile, um, more, I don't know why I honestly couldn't tell you why. Um, I know that I see a lot of growth from people and it's a huge honor to be part of that experience when um, people realize that they are capable. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I like a challenge. And so I think sometimes all the time when there's, (laughs) you know, more severe things going on, there's more challenges. Um, And it's, I like to problem solve through that with the team or with the patient and their family and try to, try to figure out, I don't know, but I, like I said before, I'm very, I have my passions and I will go after them full throttle kind of obsessively. <laughs> um, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way because I like what I do. You know, I, I can't sit here and tell you that I don't enjoy like where I'm at with what I do. 
Um, I don't, I don't know. I'd rather wait it out for something that I, I really want to go after versus just have something just settling. to do. Yeah. 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 Settling. That's the word. <laughs> I don't like to settle. So I'm curious now what your perspective of um, risk is when working with clients. Cause I know some mm-hmm. clinicians are like highly risk averse and you know, everything's with kid gloves and bubble wrap and you know, you can't let anyone oh, fail gosh. and all of that sort of stuff. And others are like, meh. Let them fall yeah. over. They'll bounce. They're yeah. kids. That's me. I tell parents, <laughs> I, I literally tell them, I'm like, I'm going to let your child fall safely. Like it will be done in a controlled way, mm-hmm. but I'm going to let them fall. Um, Cause you, you have to learn cause and effect. Gravity. I will facilitate that. <laughs> right. In some capacity, but, and I think a lot of times if we're too, um, too bubble wrappy, we prevent somebody for being to do to do things fully for themselves because mm. we're not giving them a chance. And so I'd rather just leave the door open and see what they can do and then reel it back in if we need to. Um, and I honestly think that's, and that might just be how I was taught to in school, but I'm not going to judge them or score them or do whatever if I haven't given them a chance to actually do it. Now, my, my biggest thing is safety and prevention. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking out to make sure things are safe and preventing something from going wrong, whether that's looking at vitals, looking at the environment, um, or if somebody's escalating, obviously we're going to do things like a little differently, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, I think I'm definitely more of the, "Eh, let's see what happens. And I'll tell my patients too, even my teenagers, I'm like, this could work. This could not work. I'm not sure. Let's give it a try. And usually they surprise me in a pleasant way. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) not the opposite. (laughs) Because it's it's something I see more and more from therapists everywhere, like all around the world. Is you know everything's based on risk, and it's a different health system in the states. But you guys seem to be like terrified of litigation. Like it seems to be a massive thing over there, oh. where it's it's different health system here. So it's not doesn't seem to be the issue that it is over there. And I see a lot of therapists like. Um, scaffolding their activities i've seen this quite a lot recently actually scaffolding their activities based on success rather than failure so we can't let someone fail so we're just going to do little things that they succeed 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 and you know that builds confidence i'm like yeah that builds confidence until the first time you let them go free and they fail and then everything falls apart Mm -hmm. right back to where you started yeah i'd agree with that i think which i don't know Sometimes I wonder if that's like a personal thing as a therapist, if they don't, mm, that's they're not producing wondering. outcomes. There's not that. That's how I would interpret it is if that's a constantly what we're doing, I would wonder if either our confidence as a clinician or um, if all we want to see or to base our value off of is positive outcomes. Well, I wonder, I wonder that's whether about you. Was, it's not about your client. I wonder whether there was some like, cause obviously you guys are in a very insurance based health system whether there was like financial incentive for positive goals being met constantly rather well, than I mean, sort of the big overall, you know, client so is living a with, better life kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. With insurance, you just have to show progress and yeah. progress can be objectively measured largely or small. Like you could be like, 
in some type of quantity, they need to be improvement. But even if they haven't met that goal, if they're making gains mm. towards it and they're improving, then insurance will accept it. Um, I haven't had the experience of like huge, did not any denials actually. Um, and I'm sure that also is dependent on setting and yeah, yeah. the state you're in and where you work and, you know. It does make me think then that it's probably more of a, a personal clinician thing because I've seen it a lot and I've spoken to a few people that are, are the same. They're sort of scaffolding for success because I guess one of the things I, before, before I even started this po- pro, uh, podcast, like one of the things I was looking at with my mental health clients was, so I was working with uh, people with severe enduring mental illness uh, at the time in the community, so in their homes, helping them essentially set up whatever life they wanted to set up and make it sustainable and keep them well and keep them you know, out of hospital with so they've got all good coping mechanisms and all that sort of stuff. But one of the things that was sort of getting to me was you know, we were, everyone knows what sleep hygiene is. Everyone knows that we use habits and routines. So we were going in and structuring people's days and teaching them like, this is how you, you know, you have breakfast in the morning and then you have lunch and you, you know, you need eight hours sleep. And that sleep has to be sort of, you know, from bloody 10 o'clock till six o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. Like we were essentially implementing what the evidence and our sort of Western view of a healthy life would be on people and what i was finding is that some people would love that they like being told what to do they just they thrive on that they do really well with being given a structure but then the very like i said before the first little inconvenience that goes wrong everything falls apart because there's no coping mechanisms in place and i started yeah. toying with the idea and I actually started trialing it with a couple of clients of um essentially it wasn't obviously random, but essentially throwing some changes at them. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, I can't make it to this place. Can you meet me over here instead? Just little things. Um, so that they, like we as humans tend to become really accustomed to whatever it is we're exposed to. And if we're exposed to the same routine, then we get very used to it. I'm the same. I'm terrible at it. Like mm-hmm. if I'm in a routine <laughs> and then the tiniest little thing goes wrong, everything falls apart. I'm, oh, no. I'm useless. <laughs> So, and that's one of the reasons I was thinking of it. I'm like, because I do it. And I'm like, so I'm essentially putting that onto the people that I'm working with. And I'm like, yeah. I know it sucks for me. Like, it's going to suck for them as well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I wondered whether there was some, uh, I don't know, randomness way that we could uh, implement some of these things. Like, oh, routines, habits, yeah, they're really important. We understand that from an OT point of view. But how... Have you seen any of that kind of, well, I don't know what you call it, not less structured, but I guess teaching people to be adaptable as opposed to teaching mm. them how things work? Yeah, which I honestly think that's kind of our whole job as OT is this, right? Mm. We were looking to see can they adapt, and I yeah. honestly think what you did was just perfect (laughs) to do right you're not making huge changes that would cause them to Mm. you know maybe completely have a meltdown but it's like just enough to be like okay how would you handle this yeah if you were at home and this happened because i think that's the thing is people we're not we're not teaching people to be adaptable we're not supporting people to become adaptable human beings and Mm. uh, that's what people need especially today like the world's gone nuts 
Uh, like there's so much going on in the world that people can't mm-hmm. keep up and everyone's angry or upset or anxious about something because we just don't have the skills as a global collective to be mm-hmm. adaptable enough to just take it in our stride, keep moving forward. And like you said, like aiming for progress and not just ticking off the big boxes, like making progress forward is, is mm-hmm. the big thing challenging somebody or allowing them the opportunities to succeed through failure. I would rather do that as a therapist instead of having them check off boxes Mm. in a heartbeat. I would like put my license on the line for that because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to support you, but I'm here to challenge you um, because I'm not going with you when you Mm. go home. (laughs) I tell my patients that all the time. And uh, also you don't want me to go home with you because I'll make you still do stuff by yourself. Um, (laughs) And I think, innately and something that um when i was working in the research lab in undergrad uh with like assessing suicide prevention um there's this theory it's called the interpersonal theory of suicide and um sorry this is kind of a tangent but kind of related (laughs) okay all right we're gonna tangent left um because i'm not organized um, but the interpersonal theory of suicide, and basically it has three points of, um, someone who might be at risk for, um, for suicide. And it talks about, um, a need to belong, um, a, a sense of burdenness, and then an ability to inflict lethal harm. Those are the, the three different things. And so I think about people that have gone through traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. um, do they feel like a burden to people around them? Probably yeah. I've had people tell me they do. Um, do they have a need to belong, a need to get back to normalcy, a need to get back to school, back to work? Um, but that's just not possible. Yes. And then an ability to inflict lethal harm. I mean, some like veterans, for example, are typically at a, a, a higher, they qualify more for that mm. just because of the nature of their occupation. And so I, one of my, uh, my goals is to educate on, um, like, suicide prevention in the neuro setting. Um, even statistically people with a brain injury are more likely to attempt suicide. And so, um, I think, wow, I really tangent it from adaptive response. I don't know where this came from, but gosh, I am telling my soapbox about mental health outside of psych settings is like so huge. But that, I mean, that's that, that's part of your like your adaptive response. I think one of the reasons, because I've also read the stuff around um, people with say brain injuries and neurological injuries being at a higher risk of suicide, and part of that is um, like more impulsive behavior. Mm-hmm. And like, if we're not teaching people how to like one of the like, uh, and often these lessons are the simplest, tiny little things. Like one of the things that I used to teach or used to to support my clients to try and learn was if something happens like just two breaths before you say anything do anything whatever because even just that obviously longer is better but for some people who are normally just instantly reacting to things impulsively impulsively reacting Mm -hmm. to things uh, even two breaths like two seconds is enough for the brain to process like, hey, this thing happened, but is this the right course of action? Is it mm-hmm. right to punch the nurse because that needle, that needle that you just got hurt? Probably mm-hmm. not a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people don't always, like you're saying, trying to teach coping skills. They don't 
I, I feel like it's not fair to judge someone and hold them accountable, especially when it's injury related, mm-hmm. or even if it's psych related, truthfully, an injury to the, you know, the mental side, like, if we haven't done our due diligence to teach them mm-hmm. and help them carry over, and we know that takes time. And I think that's additionally important to express that to family members is, you know, I wish it was like a light switch where I could just like flip it and everything goes back to normal. That's unfortunately not the case. Um, so I think that, that's the thing with OT is like we've known for a long time about concepts like neuroplasticity. Like we know the brain has the mechanism to rewire all that stuff, but are we actually providing the service that is allowing that person to utilize that mechanism to the best that you know it could possibly be utilized for their individual situation? In a lot of cases, yes. In a lot of cases, probably not. That would be my challenge to people is to change that because I've really like it bothers me. It's mm. not ethical and it's not right if we're not doing that. Yeah. And I, I would say that in my experience and having a like even talking with people through this podcast, like people that have utilized OT services, that teaching the really rigid, like here, set up a, you know, set up a healthy sleep routine, like that's helpful in the short term that's not helpful and not tailored to the person teaching someone the adaptability teaching someone to think adaptively and being able to cope with change and that sort of stuff is i would almost put money a more valuable skill than any single adl skill that you could give to anyone like if any if someone can cope with i mean that's you know i'm sure there's someone on here that doesn't believe it but that's how evolution happened like we became adaptable it wasn't because you know oh we something changed and another species came in and showed us how to deal with it no like we adapted ourselves we modified our behavior we modified our environment we modified what we do we modified our occupations in order to cope with whatever changes had been made and that's like you said that's, that's what it should be yeah, and adaptive responses, I feel like, are, is neuroplasticity, like visible neuroplasticity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I can explain it all day and be like, oh, this, no, no, no. But then as, I just think for families too, it's important to stress like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't have to be all technical in our jargon. Just, hey, I'm doing this to see if they do this. Let's see if it happens. Yeah. And then when it happens, parents are like, did you see that? And I'm like, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And yeah. I think it's, it, it really makes it inclusive in their recovery. And I think with, like I'm coming more of the perspective with adults, but with adults, sometimes mm-hmm. them being able to notice a behavior is the first thing. Like previously mm-hmm. where they might have just done it, it might have just, you know, this happened to them, so they would snap, they would react, they would yell, they would whatever it is. Them being able to go, hey, me feeling like this is linked to this stimuli that just happened. Like that's a rewire already. And then right. the, the next step would be, what am I going to do instead? But that's where yeah, you put right, that exactly. put that little pause break in between what's actually happened and what you're going to do about it. Yeah. That's where I see the, and I, I'm not a huge fan of CBT, but that's where I see like the concept mm. of CBT as in like yeah. stimulus behavior response, that mm-hmm. real sort of, real basic concept behind it that's where Mm -hmm. i see that being of use is that 
try to put a little bit of time in between that what's happened and what am I going to do about it is mm-hmm. is the first step of teaching people and that's that being able to do that you're adapting a behavior like that's adaptive that's being adaptive yeah. being able to yeah. pick up something's happening I don't like it let me just sit on it for a second okay now I know what's going on as opposed to just reacting and I feel like that's so empowering oh, for somebody, especially if they're there because that type of need needs to be met. It's like, oh, snap, I am capable. It's like, heck yeah, you are. Hmm. So let's, let's see what happens next time. <laughs> but also like, okay, next time you may totally forget your coping skill. It's fine. Oh, it happens. But like, you did it once. Yeah. That means you're capable. Yeah. All you have to do is do it one time. Yep. One time. So, yeah. So that's... That's, I think, where I, I definitely see those links between any kind of, sort of neurological condition and that sort of stuff. And I think uh, something I've said on here multiple times is like behavior is language. So mm. good behavior, bad behavior, whatever it is, it's telling you something about yeah. or that person is communicating something, whether it's I don't have the coping skills or I don't like that or whatever it is. And you see it a lot with kids, but it's the same thing with adults. Yeah. Behavior is language. I, it, people... I, I swear to goodness, people are always like, oh, like there's such like a huge dramatic difference between kids and adult, which I'll be honest, there's some things with children that are very different than adults, but there's a lot of similarities mm. in overlap. No, I completely agree. Like there's a lot, especially with the sort of behavioral response aspect of things. I see massive similarities between adults and kids. I don't think we're actually that different. No. Adults are just really large kids. We just have a lot more complex activities that we tend to do. Things like work and driving and all of those sorts of things. But the actual Listen, sort of... I bet you my little kids who play their games would say that's pretty complex. Yeah, that's They'd go to school. They'd be sassy as crap. They'd be like, you're wrong. <laughs> I can't, you can't argue with a kid. Yeah, you, you really can't. Kids are sassy as heck. They are. But that's all right. That's what makes them fun. Yeah. So the other thing, and probably I probably should have opened with this, but people may know you better as becoming OT. What was that <laughs> for? You know it's true. That's me. <laughs> Tell me about becoming OT. Where did that OT. start? Why did that start? Well, it started literally on a <laughs> random Friday night in July at like 11 o'clock at night. It's like, I'm going to make an OT account. Uh, pretty much I uh, I had at the time, like when I was in OT school, there weren't really a lot of OT social media accounts, like period, like there was OT Marie and like maybe like a handful of other ones. And I felt like... I wasn't getting like the meat and potatoes of what all was happening along the journey to becoming an OT and um, that I was like, well, I'm going to do it then. (laughs) And so I I never, never intended it to be what it is now. I, I started it from scratch, ground zero, had no followers and was just like, here's my opinion. If you like it, cool. If you don't, that's also cool. Um, but it's like my own unique experience. And I, you know, I chose becoming OT because of the whole like doing, being, becoming, belonging um, framework. But uh, also because becoming an OT 
is an ongoing lifelong thing. And so I'm always going to be transforming in my role. I was a student and that's I have it in my tagline from an anxious student to growing practitioner, like, because it, it's true. It's, I am still kind of anxious as a practitioner to be honest, but that, that role is constantly changing and evolving. My interests change and evolve. I started out doing outpatient and now I'm inpatient. Like, nope. you know, it's, it's my own journey. And I, I like to be an open book for people because I wish I had that type of resource. Yeah. So that's pretty much where it came from. So you started it literally, as a student. Yeah. I started it as a student. And what, it was sort of, my, what, uh, what was the, what was the, what were you putting out then? Like what sort of stuff? What was your, your meat and potatoes, as you say? <laughs> my meat and then? potatoes. It was still just like really random stuff. <laughs> like I was on field work. And so I would, on like my stories, it would be, you know, questions about the setting that I was in. Um, and then I ended up doing my capstone experience and people had questions about capstone and they had questions about mental health. And a lot of times people's questions become my posts because there's typically more than one person asking, um, or I would just share something cool that I did that I didn't know you could do as an OT. Like the first time I got to make a cast, I was like, this is dope as heck. Like, (laughs) and now I love casting. Like I love casting. Um, or aquatic therapy. I found out about aquatic therapy when I was a student from my CI who was getting her aquaticist certification. And I was like, that is what I want to do. I saw you or post about that feed. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm getting my certification now. Yeah. So it's just like things ebb and flow. And the thing I love about OT is you can change and do something different literally whenever you want. Like if I wanted to go become a travel therapist right now, I could go do that. Um, if I wanted to go work in hands, which I will never do. But if I wanted to work in hands <laughs> I could go do that. Um, but sorry, I'm going to offend all the hands people, but yeah, that's right. They probably don't listen to that because I do that quite often. <laughs> but um, it's just that that's the, the becoming side is you're always learning. You're always growing. Um, and I feel like we do that just for best practice for our clients. I mean, that's why I do it. I, I want to be the best therapist I can be for my patients. Um, Cause that's how I'm going to provide results for them. You know, if I equip myself, I can equip them. So yeah, it literally, I, cause I had at one point cared about like followers and like, oh, I need people to like me. And like my affirmations were coming. This was before becoming OT. Um, my affirmation was coming from like the number of likes that I would get on social media. And that's so toxic and not healthy. Um, and that was just like me being like me on my personal social media. Mm. And um, I told myself when I make this OT account, we are making it because we want to. We're not making it because we care about likes, because we care about comments, because we care about other people's opinions of us. We're making it because we love OT and we want to share that with people. Um, that's kind of been my, my, my running thing the entire time. Um, thankfully, as the people pleaser in me, not a lot of people have like hated me. <laughs> Or like, I don't, I actually haven't had really any bad comments or they're usually spammy or. You get a lot of those nowadays. I know. I'm like, geez, Louise. And then I have to block it. But so I just, I, I'm, I'm baffled by how large it become, has become, <laughs> became, <laughs> becoming, okay. I see what you did there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Pulling it all together. It's, it's crazy. But then it's also cool because I get to meet people like I talk to 
it's, I'm a one woman show over here. I am my, like my photographer. I'm my like message answer person on my podcast. I made my own website. Like it, it's just me. So when people message me, I, I, I write back, I voice memo back. I, I like to get to know people. I feel like everybody, um, sorry. Ugh. You're pretending to just die then your eyes just rolled <laughs> back and you just fell off a chair. Oh my God, no. I, um, I think everybody has a story and those people don't take the time to listen. And I also like make boundaries because I can't be everything for everyone, but I do like helping students on their journey or people who have questions about things on my journey, because I also ask people questions all the time. So I just have my little, my little resource on the interwebs. It's not little. Turning into a monster. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not little. Cause I just like, you've also got, like you said, you created your own website. There's also blog posts in there. Quite a lot of those. Yeah. I'm assuming yeah. you write all of those as well. I do. I do. I, I started a YouTube channel. Started a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> podcast. Well, just because I feel like accessibility, like not, a, I tried TikTok. I am not a TikToker. Like. Preaching to the choir. Just, huh? You're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. It's, I, I watch funny animal videos on TikTok, but like, I can't. Yeah. I'm just not a TikToker, but I feel like accessibility people for like education stuff, people go to podcasts, you know, to learn about different things. They go to YouTube. And so I was like, oh. But I will say Instagram is probably the main one that I use. So it started off as a way to, I guess, fill in a gap that you you identified with regards mm-hmm. to like just the content that was out there. Yeah. What is it now? Now that you've got all these different facets of it as well, not just the Instagram. Obviously, the Instagram is, is huge and you do a lot of content for that. The I think one of the things that, sort of attracted me to your content was it wasn't like you said before like you're a one-woman show and it's as you develop etc and your content reflects that like it's very much there's some personal shit in there like you're you you're not just i i see a lot of accounts that and i've been guilty of doing them in the past as well of where the account is the brand and, you know, mm. you know, things are coming, say, from be- becoming OT, blah, blah, blah. Whereas it's very, like, you could change that name. I, I, I would know your name before I could remember the account name, like, because the account is you. Aw, thanks. Well, that's actually really encouraging because I'm just, I'm human. I'm just another regular old OT. For that. I'm sitting here staring at her right now. Yeah. She is <laughs> definitely human. Not a robot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just a regular person, nothing like really special, just out here doing OT things, doing life things. And it's not all sunshine and daisies. That was the other thing is when I started the pages, I was like, we're going to be honest. Like when stuff sucks, it sucks. Cause that's the trouble I've seen with social media is there's always like a perfect picture being painted. Even for a while I was using filters on uh, like stories, like crazy. And then I got really convicted about it. Like, ooh, I'm real? using the filter because I don't feel confident in like myself. And so I've like, for the most part, stopped using filters. Obviously, like on my posts I do to like highlight, I, I like certain like moody colors 
on my yeah. post, but like on my stories, if it's just me, I try not to use filters. Cause I'm like, that's not fair to you guys. And I actually had somebody, uh, I, and I shared this on my social media, of course. Um, but I had somebody message me and they're like, I couldn't realize it, they said something along the lines of, um, I, I love your content, but I felt like I, I had a hard time relating to you. And she's like, and now seeing your face, I understand it was the filters <laughs> because, and I was like, oh, dang, that's deep. And so I, and I don't remember who that was that said that to me, but um, I remember being like, wow, like one, thank you for being honest with me about it. Cause that's, it's true. And I feel equally convicted about that is that I'm, I'm not being relatable. And that's, that's my intent aside from, you know, OT stuff. Yeah. I, I've had this conversation with friends in the past about the use of filters and I'm like, you know, filters, like there's some silly ones out there like that are fun, but just, mm-hmm. you know, fine. But filters that are designed to, like, I've got friends that use, will not post anything unless it's got some filter that, you know, smooths out their skin or mm-hmm. adds a tan or like something that yeah. they feel makes them look better. I'm like, but that's not you. And right. yeah. it might be some perceived idea of what you want to be but that's not who you are and yeah. I mean you do you but like I know that that is not it's not well f- my perspective is it's not healthy yeah like you're you're well, trying to put out this it view. wasn't yeah you're yeah. trying to put out this view of you that isn't you <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense and then I go back and like look at some of my stories that are saved and like mm, that filter looks janky as heck why did we choose <laughs> like you know like if i have them saved in my highlights and it's just like oh hmm could have been done a little, a little differently but yeah the ones where they're altering your face it it i don't know i just felt so convicted about it it's so because then what's okay. changed since when you started because i'm i'm this is something that's pretty close to my heart at the moment um oh. given that i've just deleted all of my personal accounts uh, on oh. everything. Um, so I've like I've obviously still got the occupied account, etc. But I don't have any personal social media at the moment um, mm. for the reason that I just don't like what it's become. Yeah. Uh, I don't like that, and similar to what you described when you before you started becoming OT of. Um, you know, chasing that dopamine hit of likes and all that sort of stuff. I was like that to a degree, but I didn't like the fact that I was like glued to my phone. Like I was constantly picking it up to see if there was notifications and all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And learning, I read a few books and that sort of stuff. And I'm sure everyone's seen, I think there was a, I can't remember what it was called. There's a documentary on Netflix or something about social media, but seeing that these platforms are being designed to capture your attention and knowing that I've got the addictive personality that is just perfect for that kind of stuff and will fall mm-hmm. for it every time is one of the big reasons why I've gotten rid of my my accounts and it's been a couple of weeks now so it's still was, fresh it's still fresh but yeah if I'm, I didn't have becoming OT I wouldn't have social media my husband doesn't have any social media no nope he, he's got like a Facebook that he hasn't logged in on since like years ago. Yep. But like he, he he's not ever on social media. And I mean, I've got like Facebook, 
really just for groups if I want to check things out or have questions. But I mean, I've deleted my app, but because I've built like an education platform, I feel like it's not fair for me to mm. like cut that off. And so I have turned off like notifications on my phone. Um, and then I just check and I haven't turned off so they don't go to my watch either. Um, it's just kind of as a boundary. Is that something you've done like, more recently or was that something you realized when you first started becoming OT because you were saying how you used to be fairly I don't know addicted to it with your personal stuff yeah. prior to that well the the opinions of people is prior to starting becoming OT and I I would say probably when was it October of last year I I don't know again, just really convicted about it, that I was on my phone a lot or just checking my phone a lot. And, um, I actually deleted it for two weeks. I think, um, I had planned on doing it for a month, but then again, I realized I provide educational resources and I felt like that wasn't fair. So then after that, so like relatively recently, I guess, um, I, yeah, just turned off the notifications and, it's been nice. My screen time went like <laughs> down, <laughs> dropped real quick. And I realized like, I don't, my, my other thing is too, is I like to answer things immediately. Like if, as soon as I get an email, I need to check my email. Like that is, I am that kind of person. And I realized that if somebody messages me or they write a comment or whatever, it will still be there tomorrow. I don't need to like be instantaneous. So I've been trying to do that with social media and with like my emails or text messages, like it can wait. Sometimes I'll just leave my phone and be like, bye. <laughs> I think that's been one of the hardest things is I'm, I'm the same in that usually I'm like, oh, message, need to e-, like reply straight away. Same with, well, same with most emails, probably except my work email, depending on who's emailing mm-hmm. me. But um, <laughs> I, I think that's been the hardest thing for me is like same same realization that like, like nothing that's going to come through this social media account is urgent the people that need to get in contact with me urgently have my phone number yep so if i don't reply till the next like i don't have to reply at 10 o'clock at night if i don't reply until the next day that's okay yeah and people aren't like hammering you for a response at least in my experience they are yeah no that like offended if you answer them a week month later no uh, most people i i don't think i've had anyone like oh my god you're so slow i'm like okay sorry no it's just that expectation that we've put on ourselves yeah it's the expectation (laughs) from ourselves which i think is the the issue um so what do you think would be because the other thing i've seen a lot and it kind of worries me in how it might happen is there's a lot of people Obviously, being an influencer is a thing now. And I see a lot of people like promoting uh, to students to, you know, start side hustles and all that sort of stuff that involve Mm -hmm. social media followings. And, you know, you have to do reels and you have to do this and you have to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is that adding any value to your life for one? And again, this is my old man perspective. I'm like, old man yells at cloud kind of thing. But (laughs) I'm like, have you. Have you firstly have you seen that or is it just me? No, you you're right, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> and do you what advice I think would you have for students who are 
considering what well, the, this pitch that's being made that you know they could start a a career or not necessarily a career but like more a side hustle using social media i mean if my thing is and i i'll tell students this because they'll message me if you want to do it do it you yeah. know i my fudge cracker sorry <laughs> it's okay you don't God. have to apologize uh, there's the second one okay no it's okay go away okay um lord have mercy my personal opinion was i didn't start this page to be an influencer my coworker jokingly calls me an influencer and I'm like, I don't consider, I still, I mean, yes, I know if you look at the numbers, it's like, Oh, you're an influencer. I don't see myself as an influencer. I'm just trying to educate. And so I would tell people to check your heart and your intent. If your goal is to just share, that's what social media is for is you share. I think people can see through pretty quickly. If you're there just for likes if you're there, just not being transparent and not being you. Cause I think people just, they want something that's real, something that's authentic. Um, but that also takes a good, honest conversation with yourself. Like if you're ready to do that with people. So as far as like making it a side hustle, like I'll, I'll be honest with you, it, it has grown into that in some ways. Like I have affiliate links or like i partner with scrubs because I get free scrubs but they're brands that I was already wearing so Mm. to me it's just kind of like a win-win yep um but it definitely won't happen overnight and there is unfortunately there are little algorithms to social media that as a, a creator can be frustrating if you're trying to share knowledge but it's funny because Instagram says to push reels and do reels. I asked people on my stories, what do you like post or reels? And they like posts. Hmm. Like literally it was like 95% post. I and that. I was like, well, the Instagram algorithm can go kick rocks then because so, and that's the thing that was, if I go against the algorithm, I have a hard time reaching newer people, hmm. but I, at least I reach my current people, which is really who I care about. So if you want to make an account, go for it. Yeah, I think it, the algorithm thing is probably the biggest thing that annoys me. I remember back in the day. This is now I sound really old now. Back in the day. Back when in there the wasn't day any. when there was an actual chronological timeline, and I, I missed the it. It wasn't Instagram and Facebook deciding what and who you should see. Like, yeah, and I miss that. Well, and because now you have to like turn on notifications if you want to see the people, like, which I didn't realize that. Hmm. And so I actually, I think today posted it about it. Like, Hey, if you're cause people will tell me like, Oh, I missed this post. And it's like, well, the algorithm. Yep. Yep. It's uh, yeah. So I'm interested. I'm always interested to see like, obviously people that have been in that world for uh, a while and, and been quite successful in it, what their opinion is. Cause like, I'm just little old me and I've got my grumpy old man opinion about it. Well, but see, that's the thing. I think that's a valuable opinion. And people, I think that's the other great thing about social media is now there are more OT accounts, but each have a different perspective and you could have two students from the same exact school on the same exact field work. They're going to have two entirely different hmm. 
mm-hmm. experience. And I think it's cool to see that. Like it's again, not all sunshine and daisies. Um, and it could be almost exactly the same, but you're going to see how it's different because I think we can get sold this narrative in school that it's going to be very cookie cutter and like, this will happen and this will happen. And then you'll be an OT and boom, you're an OT. Yay. But there's literally all this other stuff that happens in between and beyond that. And I, I think there's a lot of value that comes from people sharing their opinions. It's just, you, I would just say, if you want to do it, do it. Don't just do it because you feel like you have to. Yeah. I think what you, what you touched on then is the, the big thing for me is value. Like if you're adding mm-hmm. value, go for it if you've got some value to add if you've got you know your like you said your opinion your whatever if you want to be creative that's adding value yeah. if you're me, out there doing tiktok dances to me that's not adding yeah it might be adding value <laughs> to you personally and that's fine that's you do you but like that isn't an ot account that's not adding value to ot in my opinion yeah and I will say like making reels and posts is very like therapeutic for me because I I like tell that you enjoy them (laughs) I do I really I really do enjoy them um and so I don't know I just I just would tell people don't don't chase after other people's opinions for your value of yourself because that's going to get you nowhere except for crying and frustrated and and then yeah. share that because the algorithm loves it. Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. Teaching so you, you all the things. You also have a podcast. Yes. Why you say it like that? What? Why'd you say it like that? Yes. Well, because I told you I haven't been as consistent. I know, with and it. I'm I calling have... you out now so that you have to be like, oh, get oh, back come, to it. Come this listen to my your, podcast. This is your accountability. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's what I, that's literally actually what I, need in my life so <laughs> sorry sorry stop apologizing it's okay this is literally the worst i hate muscle spasms in the neck holy crap this is i feel so bad for all my patients now that have this yeah i don't um, think i've ever got spasms i get like like pulled muscles so like it hurts whenever i move but i don't think i've ever had them where they just spasm randomly oh it's horrible i used to get them all the time when i played rugby oh yeah that makes sense i feel like that would produce muscle spasms and soreness just um sore we were talking oh the podcast podcast. i was saying about it so what's the Um, what's the story does so you've got like we spoke about before you've got all these different avenues are they all targeting different things like you've got your blog the podcast the instagram or are they all pretty much like consistent content just different medium for displaying it or getting it out there maybe a little bit of both i feel like podcasts are nice to have a conversation because i can't you know on a post or even on a reel or a story most people probably don't look at a story after like 10, 15 seconds, they skip to the next one, right? If someone's talking. And so podcasts allow an opportunity to just have a conversation and talk things out for people that want to listen to it. Because if you listen to a podcast, you know what you're getting yourself into. So um, I, it's really just typically has been an extension of um, conversations that are started on Instagram. I do have a spotlight series 
and OTs in the parentheses for spotlight, um, which basically just highlights, uh, <laughs> so cheesy, um, but basically just highlights different areas that we can be OT, um, whether that's as a student or a clinician. And so I've interviewed kind of similar to like what you're doing, mm -hmm. but interviewed clinicians in different settings. Um, and usually those settings are selected by a poll on Instagram, like, hey, what do you want to hear from next? And then um, on Instagram, I'll put in a question box and say, what do you want to know about travel therapy, for example? And then I'll actually ask those questions uh, in addition to my own on the podcast for that series specifically. Um, actually, really, even if it's not for the spotlight series, if people have questions, I'll just do like a question box and then answer them on the podcast. So where, where do you, where do you see? Audio apps you? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. Siri thought I was talking to her. Siri just okay. interrupted us. Rude. So where do you see your becoming OT empire heading next? Oh, empire. Oh my God. <laughs> Throwing it out there. I'm calling it now. Where do I see it going? Um, what social media platform haven't you conquered? Well, I feel like I haven't really conquered anything other than Instagram. I've barely conquered Instagram. <laughs> I'm just, I feel like I'm still a little newbie. Um, I don't really know. I don't, and that's the thing. Like, I don't think about it. I think about where I want to go professionally, um, which I guess by default, I share on the Becoming OT page. Um, like, obviously, if I could just be like a mentor <laughs> quit my job and travel the world that would be great um but I don't I don't foresee that happening <laughs> for an OT account like it just doesn't seem you never know. viable but uh I do I have some courses that well I've created one course I created a resume writing course because so many people asked me that and I was editing resumes and then I was like it's much more it's just very time consuming and so if I just made a course and basically go step by step with you, then you can review it and do with it what you may. So I made that. Um, and I have some other courses that I'd like to do. But yeah, when I'm not doing other things. So <laughs> I, like you, to, I like to do multiple things. I can tell. Unfortunately. I can tell. Yeah, if I'm not doing something, I get bored and I think there's something wrong. <laughs> You're going to have to start putting together a team just to keep up with all the things that you want to do. I know, I know. I just not there yet. That's all right. I'm still okay running it all. Baby steps. So you're yeah. venturing into the online courses world then? Yeah, which isn't as bad as I don't know. I thought it was going to be a little more terrifying. I do it the cheap way because I don't. I am not by any means you know, loaded up on the money. <laughs> so there's, you know, my courses aren't beautiful or like very nicely made, but they get the job done and they give you the information that you need. Content, That's all that matters. Content is key. That's all that matters. So if you guys and do purchase any of my courses, just know that up front. That it is a... Uh, no one gets into OT for the money. And if they do, they're the wrong job. Very mm -hmm. much. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I guess wherever my, my professional OT journey takes me is where, where I will share on my Becoming OT page. 
do you have anywhere that you'd like it to take you or are you happy where you're at at the moment? Oh, yeah. Uh, professionally or yeah. maybe coming to the page? Well, um, so. Aquatic therapy. Well, yeah, obviously aquatic therapy. Um, I can't say what I do when I do actually is I want to teach. Like, okay. like into so- universities. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, I've taught a couple lectures at my alma mater, which I love. And then, um, I've actually applied to a couple of adjunct teaching positions locally, um, to try to get an in there because I, I just love teaching. That's my becoming OT. It's a teaching platform. Um, and so to be able to do that in person for either like a mental health course or pediatrics or just general basic professionalism and OT. Um, that is actually like my, my big major goal. Um, I'm on like at work, I'm on this education track. And so I'm creating CEU courses or well, a course that I'm presenting in August. Um, but teaching is my jam. So if anybody needs a professor, (laughs) I have a job in Australia. If you, I would move to Australia in a heartbeat. (laughs) literally yeah that's that's kind of what I want to do next is obviously I don't think I could be a full-time professor I don't think anyone would hire me full-time just yet because of my lack of experience I'm still in experience you gotta back back yourself but oh no no no. I mean lack of OT experience Ah, I I think I could uh because I've only I've only been practicing I had my two-year anniversary in uh february last month so still new grad probably new grad for life but whatever um but i think at least adjunct is a good place to start and get my feet wet do you think that immersing yourself in all of the like creating the content for all of your different projects etc has like you just said then, like you still might be a new grandma blah, 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 because you're two years out. Do you think that's actually helped advance where you would have been without all of that? As far as what, like knowledge? Yeah. Yeah, I think it helps me understand concepts better. I think it helps me be eloquent in my speech when I talk about topics because I have to know what I'm talking about <laughs> if I'm going <laughs> to share it because social media, people online will be the first to call you out <laughs> on something if you can't back it up. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely helped. I think I've gotten more confident in speaking. Um, I act, believe it or not, very more of like a shy, non-confrontational on the back burner kind of person. Unless um, it's a hurricane. Yeah, unless it's a hurricane, we're going in <laughs> as long as there's no turbulence. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it, it's helped me be a little bit more assertive and communicate with people, which honestly, um, I was doing, oh, I I did the OT, what was it called? Not the OT summit. It was OT budge Gregor's my neck. Um, like the, the OT workshop that the lovely OT put on, um, like two months ago, but I went to the academia one. And one of the OTs, Ryan, he had made a comment about how people who have OT platforms, it is educational. And that's actually like you, you may not have a lot of hands-on teaching experience, but you teach to like for myself, 14 
thousand people every day on various topics. And I think, and he had said like, that says volumes, like don't discredit yourself. And I was like, mind blown. Cause I never <laughs> considered my platform, uh, like obviously it's educational, but I didn't think of it in that capacity. Um, so Ryan actually gave me a huge like confidence boost when I was Ryan, applying to Ryan these Leverley. adjunct positions, huh? Ryan Leverley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's really cool. And he also teaches. So it was nice to, I've, I don't think he knows that I've adopted him as my academia mentor, but um, I have. So Ryan, if you're listening, I've Breaking adopted news, you. you've got another job. <laughs> yes. Yes. You got it, Ryan. You, there was no, no competition. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. That sounds like a pretty good goal to me. Yeah. I, might, I think so. I might have to line Watch you up to, to do some mental health stuff in one of my mental health courses. There you go. I will literally, if you need a virtual teacher, I will. I've done that. I've taught virtually I'll teach a lecture in Australia. Add that to my resume. <laughs> well, let's, let's we'll talk off air we'll work it out there we'll we get go. it go see there opportunities go. <laughs> see just all falls into play yeah i think i do think that's something that's very cool about the social media like even though social media gets a bad rep the the community in the ot world is pretty it's pretty neat mm. like i've actually made friends from social mm. media which is weird to think about like some people I had never met and then I met them in person at an OT conference and it's just like you've known somebody mm -hmm. because you talk through social media um and then I don't know and, and you find out you have mutual friends or you have like mutual interests or they know of something somewhere that you might be interested in um, I think that community side is the definite benefit to it that's uh, that's always been uh probably the one thing keeping me in it is that community side because like you said like i've met people all over the world through very not just this podcast but various projects i've done over the years involving social media and online technology and whatnot and yeah it's it's, it's so cool. it's amazing i never would have thought i'd be on a podcast with somebody from australia like literally <laughs> never on the radar at all <laughs> being on a podcast period but like especially someone that's international like oh, that I'm glad I could tick that box off for you you, you created the box <laughs> I'm glad I could create a box that you could then tick off yeah it's just it's just really cool I think especially you know during COVID times when people were a little bit more isolated from people it you know social media wasn't all that bad it, it has some positives to it yeah I think I've been just thinking now about your your revelation about your educational platform. Mm. And I think that's something that I've thought with regards to this podcast for a long while, but it's probably not as formalized. No, I think it would very much apply. I think it does, but I still think of it as, I don't know, I'm selfish. I still think of it as this is for me. I learn, I, I learn things. This is for my learning and then if anyone yeah. else benefits from it, then that's sweet. It gets put out there. Yeah. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, then I still learn stuff. Right. Exactly. See, and I think that is why people listen. Going to be honest, because it's not just like, again, like with Instagram and stuff, you're not just fishing for, for content or for people's approval. Authenticity. Authenticity and transparency. That's like what we're going for. I like it. 
Tagline. Boom. That'll be the title. Done. Title of the episode. <laughs> Along with, was it Fudge and Crackers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mental health. Okay. I, I guess like my just biggest takeaway for people is to realize that you're equipped to address mental health, even if you're not in a psych setting and that you should challenge yourself and your coworkers to do so a thousand percent and be yourself. I just sound so cheesy. Just like be Mm. you. People don't like you. We don't want them here. Block them. Unsubscribe from them. Like you don't need that in your life. (laughs) It's good. It's good life. life. Yeah. Not just lack them off. I'm going to carry like a little, little stamp in my pocket and just like block put it on people and block them in person yeah yeah nice That's exactly what i expect to see <laughs> i expect to see this happening sometime you know cut throat in a reel in a reel down the down the track somewhere i expect to see you just walking down I the street probably, i could find a stamping sound for people that. <laughs> if you liked this episode and want to check out more head over to occupiedpodcast.com or search Occupied Podcast in your favorite podcasting app. If you have thoughts or reflections on the topics discussed today, please do get in contact. We'd love to hear from you. And lastly, if you got some value from this and you want to help us out, like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Remember, be good to yourself, be good to others, and always keep occupied.